Amen. So we've been um, we've been talking about um, in this season, the beginning of the year season, we've been talking about being fruitful. Everybody say fruitful. 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 And if this is your first time here, we, uh, we welcome you. We want to say thank you for coming. And um, uh, we just hope that God, we just pray that God's presence and God will give you a word this morning that when you leave here today, that you can leave here and you say, I didn't hear from just a person. I heard from the Holy Spirit today. And that's our prayer for, um, for you. We want to um, welcome you. Um, so we've been in the middle of this series called Fruitful. Everybody say Fruitful again. Fruitful. And we're, we're striving to live a fruitful life. And um, so we've been in, um, I'm not going to read it again this morning, but we've been, read, we've been talking about this portion of Scripture in John chapter 15, where Jesus, it's, um, it's actually, uh, it's kind of what um, uh, some theologians call the farewell dis- discourse, right? Or the, um, uh, the last, what is it, the other one? I forgot there. Upper room discourse. So this is idea, so this, is, this portion, of, portion of Scripture is after um, the after communion that Jesus shared communion, the Last Supper with his disciples, and it's in between that time between the communion and it's um, between that time between the communion and the betrayal of Judas. It's in that kind of short little compact. So this is we're talking like in just a few hours, Judas is going to betray Jesus, and Jesus is going to be taken away and be um, uh, punished and judged and uh, uh, wrongly convicted and crucified. So here's this portion of scripture that um, it's really, can you imagine, like um, I was, I actually got to speak to a group of pastors and ministry leaders this week at our CCMA that we have in our community. And, um, and I was just reminded of like, you know, when you give your keys, like whenever, if you're a parent and you've had to go through the grueling task of giving your keys to your child that, um, that is going to start driving. It's like, mm, it's terrifying. It's terrifying. Amen, parents? It's terrifying. Like one of the most terrifying moments. They're like, all right, I'm going to take my first time. I'm going to go to Walmart. You're like, okay, well, here's the keys. But hang on one second. Before you go, let me give you some final instructions. Like before you go, this is what Jesus is doing in this moment. Like, hang on, you're about to receive the, the, the church is going to begin and all that stuff going to happen. I'm going to fill you with the spirit. But hold, wait, 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 one more thing before we, before we go. Um, so that's kind of this idea of kind of the intentionality that Jesus is doing in this moment for, this, for his disciples. And so, so we see that Jesus has this, they, he goes through and he goes, I am the vine, you the branches. We've talked about this scripture before. And this idea of remaining in him and those who remain in him, like vines and branches, right? They bear fruit. They bear fruit. Where's, my, where's your fruit thing? Where's your... Did you, do you have it? Oh, yeah, throw it up here. Where's the other thing? Did you eat it? You ate the, oh. She had this on the front row with an orange in front, and she said, bear fruit. Get it? Bear. Anyway. Um, no. <laughs> oh, did you? That's fantastic. Oh, that's amazing. No, that's so distracting to me. I'll be playing with it the whole time. Thank you. That's amazing. So um, maybe I'll put him with a piece of fruit on the front of it next, next Sunday. But um, this idea of uh, we are called to bear fruit. Look at your neighbor and say, you are called to bear fruit. Look at your other neighbor. You are called to bear fruit. And so that's what we are called to do is to bear fruit. And we talked about what fruit looks like. We talked about the fruit is um, we, we talked about you, you only know what kind of tree or what kind of vine it is by the fruit. 
right? When you look at a vine, you don't always necessarily know, unless you're really good. You don't, I don't always know until I see the fruit on the vine. So we are called to display, how about this? When the power of God flows from the vine into the branches and it produces fruit, we said this, that it's the glory of the vine. It is the representation of what that vine is all about, what that tree is all about. What, what, the, what is in that quote-unquote sap that goes up into those branches, right? And what we said is that it really is the power of the Holy Spirit that flows out of the vine into us as born-again believers, and we produce fruit, and it looks like Jesus and who the character and nature and the power and the glory of who He is. And so, um, so we kind of broke down. We kind of took a little bit of a, a turn, and we're going to get back a little bit more on track this morning. We took a little bit of a turn last week because, say, how does this all work, right? So we taught a, a message, and if you didn't hear the message, we have it online. You can go watch it. It's on. It actually has to do with this idea that we are not just a physical person, right? That we are more. Matter of fact, we are. Uh, it's uh, theological terms, or we are. It's the trifold nature of man, right? The trifold nature of man is actually just simply this: that we are a spirit. You are a spirit, and we'll get. We'll, I'm going to quote some scriptures, and it's going to be a little bit more clear. You are a spirit. You have a soul, which is your mind, your will, and your emotion, and you live, but you live in a body, right? Your earth suit, as it were. Also in your body, it has to do with your, um, we said, well, we said this, we said that your body and your soul and your spirit, they all have a voice, right? How many of you had your mind roll all kind of thoughts? Your mind has a voice. How many, whenever you came in this morning, your body started having a voice about what it wanted to eat? Amen. But also, your spirit man has a voice. You have a voice, and that, re, and that is the part of you that got born again. Your spirit man is the one that got born again. So you are a new creation created in Christ. Your mind didn't get born again, unfortunately. There's a work in that. Your body didn't get, we said last week, I wish that it would be great. You come down, ask Jesus, to, you confess your sins to God, and you receive Him as your Lord, and all of a sudden you had abs. Man, oh my goodness. That did not happen. Your body did not get saved. You one day will have a new body, right? But as of right now, your spirit man has got, um, is, is um, born again. And so what our job is through our lives, we call it the work of sanctification. Everybody say sanctification. sanctification. It's really a simple word. It's just a, a, a Bible word that just means to become more and more into the image of God. And we are becoming more and more in the image of God. And what that looks like is that all of a sudden my spirit man is like yeast, right? It, it goes through all out through the dough, right, of my life, of my spirit. It says, um, now I'm going to read scriptures. Let's just read some scriptures. Amen? Let's go here. Watch this. And so having said that, let's go to some, I'm going to go to some scriptures. So get ready. Ezekiel chapter 36 it's a promise of what's going to happen. This is an Old Testament scripture and a promise of what's going to happen to New Testament believers. It's Ezekiel 36, 26 to 27. He said, I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit. I would say new spirit. A new spirit within you. I'll remove your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. I will place my spirit right within you and cause you to follow my statutes and observe my ordinances. So when we talk about our spirit connected with the Holy Spirit now, we talked about all this last week, 
But now, look, now see, this is how that all works together, right? So your spirit is connected, no separation, as Romans says, between your spirit and the Holy Spirit is connected, right? It's like a train. It's connected, right? So as you do that, it causes you, you know that part of you, that part of you that says, I want to serve God. I want to get up early and pray. Or I want to do this. I want to, I want to do this for the kingdom. I want to do th-. That is because you are a reborn new creation in Christ. Amen? But your body says, no, I want to sleep a little longer. Your mind says, I don't know about all this, right? Your mind's, and, and, um, and so it's, but your spirit is what we need to learn to live out of. Amen? Amen? So uh, 2 Corinthians 4, 6 says, Therefore, we do not give up, even though our outward person is being destroyed, our inner person is being renewed day by day. Look at this difference. What we want to see is the differences between these things. Romans chapter 12, verse 1, Therefore, brothers and sisters, in the view of God's mercy, I urge you to present your bodies. And it's interesting to say it says, your, my body, because I'm not necessarily my body. I am a spirit, right? I urge you to present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God, which this is your true act of worship. Romans chapter 12, verse 2, next scripture. Do not be conformed to this age, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you may discern what is good, pleasing, and the perfect will of God. So what we see in these two scriptures between Romans 1, I mean 12, 1 and 12, 2, is this idea that what he tells you as your spirit person, what you're supposed to do with your body. Present it as a sacrifice, right? Another place it says, crucify your flesh. That's amazing, right? He says, one scripture says, I beat my body and make it my slave. How about that, right? I am in control. My body, my mind does not control me. I am controlled. The idea is I am controlled by my spirit man, right? Oh, here it is. Second, 1 Corinthians 9, 27. It says, I discipline my body and bring it under to strict control. Who's the I? My. Who is, who is the I? My, meaning my spirit. I. He calls it I. I discipline my body and bring it under strict control. This, this is one of the key scriptures that helped me get out of addiction. Because I am not the addiction. You hear me? You are not your addiction in this room. Your, our job is to be spirit-ruled and spirit-led, right? And that just doesn't mean you get the goosebumps, right, being spirit-led. And, and you do all these. It means that I am led by my spirit. My spirit has ascendancy in my life, right? So I discipline my body and bring it under strict control. So after preaching to others, I myself will not be disqualified. So we are not to be body ruled. Then watch this one. He says, for my brother, for my part, oh, sorry, 1 Corinthians 3, in verse 1, for my part, brothers and sisters, I was not able to speak to you as spiritual people, but as people of the flesh, as babes, babies in Christ. I gave you milk to drink, not solid food, since you were not ready for it. In fact, you are still not ready because you are worldly. For since there is envy and strife among you, and you're not worldly, but behaving like mere humans, like mere humans, right? So what he's saying in this portion of Scripture, he says, he says, um, he, he says I wish I could speak to you as spiritual people, but you're still flesh ruled. You're still body ruled. Right? So there's this, this conflict. And, and he says, and actually this, he says, um, he goes on because I couldn't, I wanted to give you 
solid meat, but I couldn't. I had to feed you milk, right? Because you're still babies. <laughs> Don't mention any words, Paul. Say it, say it how it is. Because you are still worthy. Actually, that word, that world, that word worldly is a derivative of the word like fleshly or carnal. We say carnal. If you've been a Christian a long time, we've used the word carnal, right? Your body ruled, right? So he's saying, he's saying all these things. He says, and then he says, he goes, are you just acting like mere humans? Interesting that where he, where he brings out, he goes, how did they know that he was carnal? How did he know that they weren't spiritual? It wasn't the gifts. Actually, they had a lot of the gifts flowing in that church. It wasn't the gifts. He said, I knew you were carnal because there's envy, strife, and then if you read this in context, division. Because some say you're Paul. Some of you are Paulus. Some of you are, right? There's division. So when you talk about carnal thinking, it's envy, strife, and division. Right? Amen. Amen or umi. So, so we're called to live by our spirit. We're not called to live what I will call our lower natures. Our lower natures. Our natures that are our flesh and our, our minds, our thinking. Like if you want to walk in faith, like faith is not of your mind. If you try to do faith in your mind, forget it. Faith is of your spirit, connected with the Holy Spirit who's speaking you truths constantly into your spirit man. That's who I am. That's, who what, that's where I want to live. So our faith is not of our minds, right? It's of our spirits. So, so if you, the greatest need for us as believers is to be spirit-led. Be led by our spirit. And when we do that, we produce fruit. Right? Amen? We produce fruit. So, what the, so the truth is, so what do we do? How do we get this under control? How do, we, how do we not allow our minds to be just to run rampant, right? Because we know, if, especially with our mind, our minds, the enemy's number one tool is deception. And he's constantly trying to deceive you to think things that are not true according to God's word. If, if it's insecurity, if it's low self-esteem, all those things that he will lie to you about. You're not worthy. You don't amount to much. Look, everybody else is great, and you're a loser. I wish I could be as spiritual as this person, but I'm not. I'm just this. All these lies that the enemy will throw at you, if we're not spirit-led, if we don't control, if we don't allow those words to come through the filter of our spirit, then we'll believe those lies. And what will happen is those lies will become truths in our normal reality. So what we need to do is have the Word of God so much in us that when the lies come, they're just, nope, that's not true. Nope, that's not true. Nope, that's not true. Right? And so, but the problem is, like I said last week, we spend too many much time sowing into places that we shouldn't sow. Right? It's, and let me just say this. So what, what's happened is we've taken the spiritual truth and we made religious stuff out of it. We go, you know, I read your Bible every day. Don't sneak, don't drink, don't smoke, whatever it is. Don't hang out with bad people, right? Don't, don't watch stuff you shouldn't be watching. Why? Because God said so. No, that's not it at all. It's, it, the truth is whatever you sow to, you reap. So if you want to grow in your spirit, man, you sow to spiritual things. We said last week that um, like, so for some of us, it's, it's social media in our 
in our media feeds. And I was talking about how you, you know how you do your thumb with the. I go every time you do it, you just need to think. I'm sewing. Every time the thumb goes up, thump, seed, thump, seed, thump, seed. I'm sewing into something, yep. right? And if you sow too long into that, if you sow too long into some of the stuff that we sow into, we, we wonder why those things are constantly in our mind. Guys, girls, if you, if you struggle with lust, what are you sowing to? You can't sow. Matter of fact, God says, don't mock me. Whatever you sow, you're going to reap. Don't blame me because your, con- your thoughts are full of lustful thoughts when that's all you sow to. Amen? So it's, it makes a difference. So we're called to sow to our spirit. Whatever you feed grows. Whatever you feed grows. All right. So, but here's the good news. You want some good news? God has made us and recreated us to do amazing, amazing things. He has done, He is what He has accomplished for us by the act of pouring His Spirit in us. It's amazing. It's amazing. It's amazing. Let's go to uh, John chapter 7 and verse 37. There's so much goodness in this scripture. John chapter 7, verse 37. If you got it, say, I got it. If you're looking, say, I'm looking. Oh. Or looking on the screen. John chapter 7, verse 37 says, On the last day and most important day of the festival, Jesus stood up and cried out, If anyone is thirsty, let him come to me and drink. The one who believes in me, as the scripture says, will have streams of living water flow from deep within him. He said this about the Spirit. uh, Those who believed in Jesus were going to receive the Spirit, for the Spirit had not yet been given because Jesus had not been yet glorified. So what's happening in this, um, Jessica and I were talking, and it actually caused me to go and dig into this a little bit. So this, what, this, so he says at the end of the, day, the, the festival, there was a festival going on, so, and it's the uh, festival of the, the tabernacles. And so what this, t- this was, this time was, was a, um, a time to celebrate, actually to remember the time of the wilderness, of them being in the wilderness. So this is a festival of, you know, the Jewish traditions. They just, they, they I mean, every, every chance you get, you're going to give a Jewish uh, person by God. God gives them this thing. They say, hey, I want you to party about this. Amen. And have a good time and celebrate and remember, right? Yeah. And so this is one of those kind of things, right? So at the end of the festival, it was tradition. And what they would do is they would stand in the temple and they would take big vases, like not, not, not vases, v- vase, right? Vases. And they would fill them with water. And as they filled them with water, they would fill them all the way up to the top with water. And they would take it in the temple and they would take the water and they would pour it. And as they poured the water, it would go down and would go all over the, the, the floor and it would go down the steps. It would fill, you know, it flowed down. And that was to commemorate. When, with the, the water that flowed and the provision of God that flowed in the wilderness, right? From Mo, you remember Moses struck the rock and water flowed out of it, right? And so Jesus, at the last day, see, if we know Scripture, it's interesting. Um, if we study Scripture, it becomes really interesting that here is Jesus saying, hey, what's happening right there? 
is going to happen in you. Because actually, what I'm going to do is that you're going to become the temple. You are going to become the temple. And what I'm going to do is exactly what these priests did. God's going to pour inside your temple the Holy Spirit, and out of your belly will flow down the steps into the world living water. That's what God has called us to do. He has put in us the power of the Holy Spirit. So that everything, so that when we talk about being led by the Spirit, when we talk about being filled with God's Spirit, this is the word picture that Jesus gives us. The pouring out of the Spirit within us, because now, He says, I don't make the temple is not with hands anymore, but it's in us, right? You are the temple of the Holy Spirit, Scripture says. And God has poured His Spirit in us, and out of us will flow rivers of living water. For you and all the people around you. So that's what God has called us to do. Now the difficulty is we still have our mind. The difficulty is we still have our bodies. And I don't know about you, but this makes me so hungry. I just want more of Him. More of Him to flow out of me. So um, I was actually listening um, so a couple of weeks ago, uh, one of my heroes of the faith went home to be with the Lord. Uh, his name is Jack Hayford. Um, Jack Hayford, to me, was just one of the greatest Bible teachers ever. I loved Jack Hayford. And um, um, Jack Hayford had a great way, just as such a, a brilliant theologian, spirit-filled, um, believed all the gifts and just all the spiritual things. And, um, and, but I, what I loved about him was his simplicity but his accuracy in, in looking at Scripture and his um, great theological mind to discern Scripture. And, um, and uh, yeah, I just really, really, really appreciate him. And so, so this week I was actually um, um, binge-watching Jack Hayford sermons because that's what nerd people do. And, um, but I, I was just watching a lot, and I was just like, re- I, actually, I just re-fell in love with, with uh, his ministry and all the things that he said. And, um, and so one of the things he was talking about um, was this idea that God's, how God has poured his spirit in us. And he was talking about the, this, this whole little concept of, of just allowing God's presence to, to be in you. And, um, and let me just back up. So when Jesus was on the earth, he did what he did through the power of the Holy Spirit that was within him. Right, he didn't necessarily do the things that Jesus did because he was God. Right, the Bible says he took, he put aside his glory and came down and, and became a man, became a a God man. Right, he but he was full of the Holy Spirit. He was sinless. Right, Amen. Had a lot to do with it. He was sinless. I had a lot to do with it. Gives us an example. But also, he was a person filled with the Holy Spirit. That's why he could say this. He says, the things, I'm about to send you the Spirit, right? Because the things I do, you'll do also, because I go to the Father. Right? So the things that Jesus 
does, he, what he was doing is he's living an example for us to follow, right? So I know there's miracles and all the things, yes, but also the way he treated people, the way he acted, his authority, the knowledge of who he was, right? He wasn't, um, he wasn't confused. Jesus was not confused about who he was. He knew exactly who he was, right? He knew exactly his, his, um, what, he was, what he was supposed to do, right? And out of that, it was the character in, in Colossians that says that he, when we look at Jesus, he is the image of the invisible God, right? So the idea is now Jesus says, I'm going to fill you with the Spirit. Now I'm going to do what the Father did. I'm going to fill you with the Holy Spirit, with his power, with the character and nature of who he is, and you will be my witnesses, right? Because of the power and presence of the Holy Spirit. So listen to this. This is what, back to my guy, Jack Hayford, my mentor. He didn't know, he never knew I was his, he was my mentor, but he was. You should have a lot of mentors. You see, this, this, he said, you see, this is not for us, he would say. Um, when Jesus says, the works I do, you will do also. So that means then, watch, so God has filled you with the Holy Spirit. He's put his spirit on the inside of you, his nature, his character. Because, because Jesus is one person, right? He was one person. He goes, I can't do all the things that, you know, that, that I'm pouring my spirit. Uh, there's so much here, right? Let, can I just back up just a little bit? Because this, like, so the scripture said that if the devil knew what Jesus was up to, he would have never crucified Jesus. Because now what he did was he created a whole bunch of little filled, spirit-filled people on the planet. Not that we're all Jesus. We're not God, right? Don't hear me wrong. But like little Christians, Christ-like ones everywhere. So all of a sudden where there was one problem that enemy had, all of a sudden these little lights, ping, ping, start popping up all over the globe. Because we're the light of the world. Not because of me, because of the spirit that lives in me. So Jack Hayford says this, everywhere you go this week, is where Jesus wants to be. Everywhere you go this week is where Jesus wants to be. And he went on and told these um, little uh, anecdotes like the, like maybe some of you this week, somebody will come to you and say, you know what? Um, hey, my, my marriage is like on the verge and I don't know what to do. But you're there. What would Jesus do in that moment? But the power of God lives on the inside of us. So wherever Jesus, wherever you are this week is where Jesus wants to be. What would Jesus want to say to that person? The person that you, that you talked to this week is just so finished with life and done with life. And so miserable in their, in their lives. But you're there. What would Jesus have you do in those moments? But the problem is we're so flesh-ruled and mind-ruled that it hinders us. So what we need is a fresh outpouring. You see, guys, listen. The, the answer to our world is not governments. It's the church, meaning the people of God. Because... 
the, the mess that our culture is in because, is because of individual people who are broken. Individual people who are hurting. And that individual people make a collective of hurting, broken people that do hurting and broken people things and create more broken and hurting people. So yeah, I'm with you. Let's pass some laws. Yeah, all this stuff, right. But that won't change the hearts of people. It's the church. It's you and I. Sometimes we can be so distracted by other things that we forget our mission. What's my mission? My mission is to be so filled with the Holy Spirit that when somebody squeezes me, the love of God flows out of me. The goodness of God flows out of me. And maybe God would lead you in that moment or those moments to maybe somebody's sick and you lay hands on the sick and they recover. And the power of God shows up. Maybe we're able to share hope and deliverance and freedom for people who are battling addictions. You know, um, he also said in one of his other messages, we can't, if, we, if, we're, if we're going to be people that pray, that, that, um, uh, that want to be people that affect our, our world, he said we can't hate the world. We can't hate the people in the world. Like, be careful. Let me just caution you. Be careful of your hatred towards other people that are doing things that we disagree with. Our job is to love, right? Not agree. Don't get it like our world has those things really weird and twisted. But we can love and not agree. Compassion, empathy. Because it's God. Like, you understand that when God, when Jesus looked out over the See, this is the nature of God that He wants to produce in us by being filled with His Spirit. When Jesus looked out over Jerusalem and He wept because they were like sheep without a shepherd. You know, notice Jesus didn't look out and go, bunch of sinners. Bunch of jerks are ruining everything. He noticed and he had, he had the wherewithal because He was Jesus to realize that those are just people without shepherds. They're broken people. So we're called to love people. We're called to, when we pray for, you know, you can't pray for somebody that you hate. But you only get there by being filled with God's Spirit. By being filled with who He is. Because once I'm filled with who He is, I have the same compassion for others. Once I'm filled with who He is, it changes how my mind wants to process the information. It changes, it, it changes what my body says it wants to do. It changes me. The good news is, John says, the light overpowers the darkness every single time. If we could just believe that, that we could just believe that God can so fill you with His Spirit. He could so fill you with your Spirit. I just think about some of the things I hear, and I'm just going to call it, it's just nonsense. It's just nonsense. Some of the things I hear, it's just, I don't want to go into that place because, you know, they do this, or they, you know, all of the they's, right? The, the they do this, and that might get the icky all over me, right? It's like you were, it's like we we're third graders and worried about cooties all over again, Right? 
like I'm going to get cooties. I'm going to get the sin cooties on me if I hang out. Jesus was unaffected. Right? He's, as a matter of fact, he was criticized. Why are you, why are you, why are you eating with the sinners? How, Matthew, are you kidding me? You're going to call this guy? This guy has caused us so much trouble, unity, by being a tax collector? Yeah. We're, and Jesus is unaffected because he knew who he was. You Listen, bring your cooties. I know who I am in Jesus. Cooties don't get on me. Amen? Know who you are. You are the light. The light overcomes the darkness every time. I've never seen darkness. You turn on a light switch and the darkness says, nope, never. Never happened. You are the light of the world. You are the light of the world. Don't let, why has the enemy lied to us and say we have to shrink back and go, the world? No, no. Do we have the truth? He says, Paul says, I know in whom I believed. I know. Yeah, I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. Why? Because it's the power of God unto salvation. I am unashamed. Unashamed. Full of God's power. Full of God's presence. Full of who I'm supposed to be in Jesus. Amen? There's people broken all around us. We're called to make a difference. To be the light. And if people don't listen to us, fine. I mean, it's fine. It's really fine. Next. There's statistics out there that says with every 20 people that you know, there's at least two of them right now who are ready to make a decision for Christ right now. We've been lied to by, our, by the enemy that says nobody wants to follow God anymore. If, any, if you got on, the, uh, you, hopefully you read the article I put out there on, um, on our, it says right now 44% and it's across the board, Gen Z, Gen uh, Millennials, Gen X, Boomers, across the board. 44% of the people there said they're more interested and have a more desire for the things of God than before the pandemic. 77% of people in this world, Gen, uh, and it goes across the board. It grows across, it's, it's, not a, it's not a, hey, the Gen Zs are, the Gen Zs are going to be caused, no, 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 everybody. It says 77% of all people have a desire and a hope for the things of, of the, the things of the spiritual. Spiritual things. Now the problem is we need to be accurate representatives of the one. That's what we're called to be. Right? And the message of love, that God loves them. So we've been see all these things that you get you, be careful. Be careful, little ears, what you hear. Right? Be careful, little eyes, little it's the monkeys. Not the monkeys, like the last train to Clarksville monkeys. <laughs> Where's George at? We were talking about the monkeys earlier. Here's the cool thing. Here's the cool thing. And he said, oh, you're like, I, I feel it in this room. You're like, oh, yes, I want to be wow, hungry. I'm hungry for more of you. You know, the cool thing is God gives us the recipe. He gives us the recipe. He says, if you draw near to me, I'll draw near to you. James says, if God says, if you draw near to me, I'll draw. If you draw near to God, he will, shall 
will do, guaranteed, draw near to you. It's our job. But then again, it goes back to the sowing. What, do I, what am I drawing near to? But if you draw near to God, God is the perfect gentleman. He doesn't force his way on anybody. He says, come. He says, behold, I stand at the door and knock. Just open the door. But if you draw near to me, I'll draw near to you. And in Ephesians, he says, do not be drunk with wine, but be filled with the Spirit. That's what we're talking about. And then what does he say? Singing to one another in songs, hymns, and spiritual songs. Singing and making melody in your heart, spirit, right? To the Lord. You know the quickest way? Jesus says he was at the, he was, he was at the um, well. Remember the well when he was with the woman? It's middle of the day, which tells us about the woman, actually. If you dig into there, that this is... She was shamed, she, or she would have gone with the rest of the women in the morning. So here's this woman. So he's talking, interacting with this woman. And he, and he says, and she's like, well, you know, your people say we're supposed to worship here, right, on this mountain. Our people say we're supposed to worship God on this mountain. And Jesus, like, just busts up the whole thing. Which mountain, Jesus? And he goes, there's a time coming, and now is, that the true worshipers will worship him in spirit, and in truth. That word truth there is not just intellectual knowledge. It has to do with the integrity or the honesty of your heart. It's the worshipfulness, and it's, the, it's the, this attitude is, yes, these words that I'm seeing, I totally agree with these words that I'm singing to God. It's the integrity of your own heart. And by your spirit. Don't worship, we don't worship God with our minds. We don't worship God with our physical. Our worship begins in our spirit. And then it starts affecting our minds. And then actually, you see some people raising their hands. It starts affecting our bodies. But the worship starts within us. And out of your belly will flow rivers. And he says this, for the Father is seeking those who worship. And another famous Jack Hayford line that I just remembered from years ago. If you're looking for God, he said, start worshiping. Because God will come find and look for you. Something happens in the nature of us when we start worshiping God out of our, not just our mental, not just, not just a singing, not just singing songs, but this worship of God that starts on the inside here. When all of a sudden, when you're, all of a sudden you start singing, you know, I just want you. And those words become more than just Religious words, they come the attitude of your heart. And you worship God. God comes and visits you. I'm going to say this, not everybody is able to hear, but let me just say this. God is not just meant to be known about. He's, be, he's meant to be experienced. Open the door. We were made for commune, communion with Him, to worship Him, to know Him. Paul says this, that I may know Him and His power. We we're made to encounter Him. This guy, um, 
He was an Indian evangelist. Not that I know Indian evangelists, a lot of them. I just happened to run across this, this, um, this quote. And he says this, he says, Ask not for the gifts, but the giver of the gifts. Not for life, but the giver of life. Then the life and the things needed for life will be added to you. When we seek the giver and not just the things, when we seek the giver, those things come to us. And then the great Charles Spurgeon said this about prayer, and it kind of relates. He said, prayer is the natural outgushing. I love that. Prayer is a natural outgushing of a soul in communion with Jesus. Just as a leaf and the fruit will come out of the vine branch. uh, uh, Let's see, let me. Just as the leaf and the fruit will come out of the vine branch without any conscious effort on the part of the branch, but simply because of the living union with the stem so that prayer buds and blossoms and the fruit out of our soul by abiding in Jesus. Charles Spurgeon. This idea that as we connect with Him, you see, I've never seen a tree and I walk by and I hear it grunting for the fruit to be revealed. This is a natural outpouring of the person who's connected as a stem is with the vine. Let's all stand together. Eric, why don't you come back up? Yeah, Alanya and Jordan, you can come on up too, please. Say, oh, sorry. So we did this before. We did this song before. Let's try it again. Just you and him. Just you and him. just you and him. You you know that hunger that many of you sense in this room right now. Just go with that. I just want you, more of you. Let's just worship him for a minute.